the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A federal judge directs the DOJ to release the redacted affidavit used in the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Some of it will come out. Now, the question is just how much will the DOJ redact? A new lawsuit shows the U.S. government wrongfully pressured big tech to censor speech. The government is not supposed to censor information. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announces 20 voter fraud-related arrests. This is a third-degree felony in the state of Florida. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, August 19th. I'm Mike Scott. A federal magistrate in Florida held a hearing on Thursday as to whether to make public the probable cause affidavit used to justify the FBI's raid of former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The hearing is in response to several media outlets asking the court to make the affidavit public to understand the reasoning for the raid on the home of a former commander-in-chief. Political tensions have been heightened since the news of the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago first broke last week. The raid was in response to the former president allegedly failing to hand over some presidential records and classified documents to the National Archives. For their part, Attorney General Merrick Garland and the DOJ are pushing back on demands for the document to be made public. According to the Justice Department, disclosing the affidavit would breach long-standing legal precedent, potentially jeopardizing the government's investigation and exposing confidential sources. Jamil Jaffer of the National Security Institution joined News Nation to discuss what the unsealing of the affidavit may look like and what it could mean for the country. Well, uh, the key the thing they're going to try to avoid uh, having come out are sources and methods of the investigation. So who said what to whom? How did they obtain the information? Did they use confidential human sources? Did they use some sort of surveillance and the like? They're going to try and protect the investigation itself um, and pre- prevent anybody from being pressured into, into you know, doing something down the road. In the meantime, it's clear that the judge wants some of the facts uh, to come out about what was underlying his decision to demonstrate that there was to, to determine that there was probable cause to believe a crime had been committed, and the war was sufficiently narrow that it was focused on the particular things to be seized and the particular paces to be searched. So the DJs got to be really careful about what they do redact, but also what they don't redact. Uh, I think Brian's right to be concerned that eventually, when it comes out, it may be a lot of blacked out stuff. But if DOJ are playing the smart, they try to reveal as much as possible while protecting sources and methods. Jaffer explains how a court determines what information should be redacted. Well, typically what happens, Marty, is that the judge will want the Justice Department's view on what should be redacted. Why should it be taken out? You know, what's the purpose? Is, it, is there a source or method that the judge might not, be, might not be aware of? 
and then the Justice Department, there can be some back and forth uh, with the court about what should be redacted and what, what isn't. And ultimately, the judge will make a determination uh, about what can and can't be released. But he doesn't want the DOJ's view on what it thinks can be released without harming national security. Jaffer explains what the affidavit will contain is what prompted the raid on the former president's residence. I think we know pretty much what we're going to know about what was taken. We got that list, that receipt of what they what they took. We, they're only descriptions generally. That won't be in the affidavit. What will be in the affidavit is what came before the war. What did they know that led them to believe the president was or, or somebody was engaged in a crime, uh, what that crime was, and what the documents underlying they expected to find uh, there at Mar-a-Lago. So we can learn a lot about what they thought they might find, why they thought that, uh, and the like. And I think that's going to be very helpful to the public debate about whether this was a legitimate search warrant, whether the search was legitimate, and whether any other potential prosecution might be legitimate. And Marnie, at the end of the day, if in fact they do go forward with the prosecution, this affidavit and this warrant are going to be hotly contested. It's going to come out at some point. The Justice Department's already said this is important to the public interest. They should try to figure out how to make some of this public. Jaffer went on to say that it's his opinion that the affidavit may add some credibility to the former president's claim that the search was unfair. For him personally, it strengthens his argument that this was, you know, a raid. You're going to see FBI uh, agents in jackets, you know, with the, with the logos on the back coming in, rifling through his stuff. And he wants to make the point that, look, these people wear my house, my personal residence, a former president of the United States, and they're just going through my stuff, you know, willy nilly. Of course, they did have a federal warrant from a federal judge. Uh, but his point is this was an unfair treatment and, and it shouldn't have been done to a former president. It's demeaning. And that's what he wants to get out of it. However, Jaffer does point out that if the affidavit comes back with a lot of information redacted due to the classified nature of the documents, then it may hurt the president's case. One of the things that might be of concern to the Justice Department, uh, and, and we heard you know Brian talk about the fact that identity agents, but don't forget, they're looking at potentially classified materials. So they may be flipping through it. There may be highly sensitive material there. One, that might get out publicly. That's a problem. But moreover, if the president's argument is, I didn't take classified material with me or I declassified it, if you see these documents with all these markings on them, that may not help the president's case. Jaffer goes on to say that while the whole situation is unprecedented, he believes that the public may see some of what was in the affidavit. The search of a former president's home is highly unusual. Uh, the fact that the Justice Department itself sought to unseal the war and the return is unusual. It wasn't objected to by the defendant or the perspective that, or the person being investigated. And now seeking the affidavit is another is another sort of unprecedented step. And so, you know, we'll see if this comes out. I do think the judge has made clear he wants some of it out there. Some of it will come out. Now, the question is just how much will DOJ redact? How much will they go, as Brian points out, up to the Court of Appeals and try to litigate this? I think at the end of the day, Barney, though, we are going to see some of this affidavit, and we're going to know a lot more about the investigation when we do. Reports are emerging that Iran appears to be optimistic about clinching an agreement on a renewed version of the 2015 nuclear deal with the U.S. and other foreign powers. Iranian negotiating team advisor Mohammad Morandi said on Monday, we're closer than we've been before. However, three sticking points remain. Iran wants the Biden administration to remove its Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps from its designated terrorist list, which, so far, Washington seems unwilling to do. It also wants a guarantee that the deal will be binding, regardless of future U.S. administrations. Third, 
Iran wants the IAEA to shut down investigations into traces of uranium found at three of Iran's undeclared nuclear sites several years ago. Former Israeli ambassador to the U.S., Dr. Michael Oren, says Israelis are bewildered by the Biden administration's plan to try and revive the Iran nuclear deal, especially because it will help Russia. We are shaking our heads at this. Okay, you want to endanger your allies in the Middle East, you know, hey, what can we do? But you're supporting the Ukrainians. Why are you, in, why are you empowering Russia, enriching Russia? Nobody here can figure this out, but nobody. Oren says that Israelis are confused by the willingness to revive the Iran deal due to the ongoing effort by Iran to carry out assassinations on U.S. soil. The fact that Iran then celebrates this uh, assassination attempt against Salman Rushdie, I mean, how can you turn around and then give them $100 billion? Again, we just, we're just scratching our head. Dr. Oren also notes the Iran deal will send cash to Russia and assist in its ongoing war against Ukraine. Last week, Alex Berenson, the former New York Times reporter, settled his lawsuit against Twitter, which admitted an error and restored his account. Because the Biden administration allegedly pressured Twitter, Berenson believes he has a case that his constitutional rights were violated. Back in April of 2021, an email from a CDC staffer to Facebook states, quote, algorithms that Facebook and other social media networks are apparently using to screen out posting by sources of vaccine misinformation are also apparently screening out valid public health messaging, including Wyoming health communications. The communications reveal a high level of coordination between the government and tech industry during the pandemic and raise questions about the extent to which other private companies are working with the federal government to censor the public. Last month, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, along with Missouri Republican Attorney General Eric Schmidt, served subpoenas to Dr. Anthony Fauci, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre and other Biden administration officials and five social media companies in a new lawsuit alleging collusion to suppress freedom of speech. Landry recently spoke at CPAC to the Epoch Times and says that the government should not be involved in the censorship of information. Government basically co-opted or colluded or encouraged big tech to censor American speech. During the pandemic, we really saw the government censoring certain speech, trying to push off therapeuticals, you know, only allowing positive stories on certain COVID treatments like vaccines or suppressing other information. We hear it. We had those whistleblowers came out and said, this is exactly what they were doing. Basically having an arm of the federal government, an agency whose label whose title is the disinformation board is prima facie evidence of a first amendment violation the government is not supposed to censor information that is the foundation upon which the freedom of speech is built abortions in north carolina are no longer legal after 20 weeks of pregnancy 
Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters has more on a federal judge's ruling on Wednesday. U.S. District Judge William Osteen reinstated an unenforced 20-week abortion ban with exceptions for urgent medical emergencies after the June U.S. Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. GOP House Speaker Tim Moore says he was encouraged by the ruling, quote, although our attorney general has failed to do his duty, today we have a ruling that upholds the law. Keith Peters reporting. On Thursday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced criminal charges against 20 people for illegally voting in the 2020 elections. It's the first major public move from the Republicans' new election police unit. The charges are the first from the Office of Election Crimes and Security, which drew some criticism from Democrats and voting rights groups who feared the unit would serve as a political tool for the governor. Governor DeSantis says 20 are facing charges for voting illegally. The majority of these people illegally voted in Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade, although there are others in, in other parts of the state. These folks voted illegally in this case, and there's going to be other grounds for other prosecutions in the future. The Florida governor says the accused violated state voting laws due to ineligibility. They are disqualified from voting uh, because they've been convicted of either murder or sexual assault. DeSantis says the accused now face felony-level penalties. This is a third-degree felony in the state of Florida. Uh, They could face a $5,000 fine and up to five years in prison for illegally voting in our elections. In January, the U.S. oil industry hit a snag when a judge struck down a $192 million oil and natural gas lease sale in the Gulf of Mexico over fears of so-called global warming. The Biden administration essentially curtailed opportunities for new offshore drilling while raising some climate change concerns. However, the climate measure President Joe Biden signed Tuesday bypasses the administration's concerns about emissions and guarantees new drilling opportunities in the Gulf and in Alaska. That part of the legislation was crafted to secure backing from a top recipient of oil and gas donations, Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. Jeremy Nichols, climate director for Wild Earth, says the new climate measure signed into law has pluses and minuses. While it contains a number of amazing and historical and unprecedented measures to to enable the United States to confront the climate crisis, a core bargaining chip was a provision that would require the Department of the Interior to lease more lands for oil and gas extraction. Nichols says the new Green New Deal signed into law doesn't sit well with some on his side of the aisle. There are a number of people who are very concerned, who who live on the Gulf, who live in areas that are impacted by public lands, oil and gas extraction, and who are very concerned that um, they were thrown under the bus. Energy expert Andrew Gillick with the energy analytics company Enveris says, in his opinion, the new measure has benefits for all. Globally, the demand is going to continue to increase. And so, um, you know, what, what the bill does here in the United States is it allows the operators to continue to participate in that global market, but it also encourages, you know, cleaner, uh, safer, more secure fuels to be developed. Gillick says energy firms will gain more than just the rights to public land leases. 
the leases aren't going to have a big impact. What it allowed for was industry participants to realize that you know Washington is coming to terms with the fact that oil and gas isn't something that can be transitioned away in five to ten years. A federal judge is ordering Starbucks to reinstate seven employees in Memphis, Tennessee. And Daybreak Insider's John Scott joins us with more on this story. The employees were fired earlier this year after leading an effort to unionize their store. In a decision, U.S. District Judge Cheryl Lippman agreed with the National Labor Relations Board, which had asked the court to intervene in May. The case has been among the most closely watched in the unionization effort at Starbucks. More than 220 U.S. Starbucks stores, including the Memphis store, have voted to unionize. Starbucks opposes the unionization effort. John Scott reporting. And finally, a large impact crater has been discovered beneath the North Atlantic Ocean. Scientists believe it reveals that more than one asteroid could have spelled doom for the dinosaurs. The team believes the crater was caused by an asteroid colliding with the Earth around 66 million years ago. This is around the same time that the Chicxulub asteroid hit Earth off the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, wiping out the dinosaurs. Dr. Uyizdi Nicholson of the University of Edinburgh discovered the crater and joined the Tech and Science podcast to say the crater gives scientists a greater opportunity to study what may have happened to the dinosaurs. What this gives us is a, is a really excellent chance for looking at a very well-preserved, well-imaged crater in a marine environment and to understand the consequences of that. Dr. Nicholson explains just what the consequences of a five-mile-wide crater would have been on the dinosaurs and other life. The consequences include a large earthquake, uh, as for any impact, very large tsunami waves locally around the, the side of the crater, so probably two kilometers immediately around the, the crater, as well as that it would create an, an enormous pressure wave in the atmosphere. So the, the pressure wave from this would be about a thousand times larger than that of the recent Tonga eruption. Dr. Nicholson says that it will be interesting to see if the crater he discovered has anything to do with the Chicxulub crater in Mexico. Within our uncertainty window, it's it's, it's 66 million years old, which is the same age as the Chicxulub impact of the dinosaurs. Very interesting to think about what possible relationship, if any, might be between this crater, Nadir, and, and Chicxulub. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.